0: Hello, listeners, and welcome to this episode of the podcast where we will be talking about mental health myths and awareness in honor of World Mental Health Day that happened earlier this week, October 10th, 2017. I'm your host, Anu Kumar. Now, before we get to the main topic, I want to inform you all of some small housekeeping change uh, regarding the name of the podcast. So, we're actually making the name switch from Brain Matters to Brain Rules for two reasons. Uh, One reason is there's actually another podcast that's been in production for a while called Brain Matters. Uh, There hasn't been any sort of legal scuffle or anything, don't worry. Um, But I want to make sure that I'm not stepping on any toes by hosting another neuroscience podcast also called Brain Matters. The Brain Matters podcast is um, very informative and is... A little bit more dense in comparison to the material this podcast covers, but I've started listening to some of their episodes sporadically and it's some pretty great material. It's produced at the University of Texas at Austin and hosted by graduate students in the Institute of Neuroscience. So if you're a neuroscience fanatic or a fellow neuroscience student, um, especially on the molecular side, I highly recommend it because it will just add to your growing reservoir of knowledge. Okay, so after that little plug, the second reason I wanted to change it it, back to Brain Rules is to have this podcast as a continuation of the column in the Daily Beacon, and also because I couldn't really think of another name. Uh, So now we're the Brain Rules podcast, and it will start showing that on the title starting from this episode, episode four, onward. Now let's get to this episode's topic, which is a little bit broader in comparison to the previous one so far. World Mental Health Day, according to the World Health Organization, is observed on October 10th every year with the overall objective of raising awareness of mental health issues around the world and mobilizing efforts in support of mental health. So many scientists who work in the industry of mental health, whether they're clinical psychologists or school counselors or medical researchers, Uh, Kind of uses day as a springboard to communicate to the general public. Hey, these are the kinds of trends. We're noticing This is the kind of research that we're doing and these are the results and the information that we found out so far so each year world mental health day has um, Some sort of theme and this year's theme was mental health in the workplace so I think that this topic is very relevant to everyone because as we get older we typically spend a large amount of our free time at work uh, whether that's at a minimum wage job, a paid internship, or a career gig. Um, or if you're in school right now and not currently working on the side, the goal is to eventually end up working full-time once you're done with your training. So it's pretty common knowledge that if you're healthy, you'll be more productive. Um, using a physical health example Uh, If you've got the flu, chances are you're not going to be on top of your game while you're sick. You still might have to go to work or school because you've already missed an X amount of days before or because there are things you just have to do that need your attention. And mental health can be viewed as the same way. So it's actually pretty easy to find the lay statistics about mental health in America, especially since there were copious amount of articles that were published in the last Um, day or two about world mental health day. I want to share a few statistics and we'll talk a little bit about them more in depth and what's being done about that. So these statistics that I'm about to read to you um, can be found on Mental Health America's website along with some additional statistics a lot of uh, citations for research studies and it's a really good springboard to use if you're very uh, interested in um, this kind of information. So what I want to bring to attention first um, are the statistics about mental health care services. So do people have access to treatments and assessments regarding mental health? This includes adults and adolescents. The three states with the highest access to mental health-related treatments and services are Vermont, Massachusetts, and Maine. And uh, the five states with the lowest access rates are Georgia Tennessee Mississippi Alabama and Nevada so it's shocking for me personally because I live in Tennessee I've grown up in Tennessee and to find out that my home state is towards the bottom of the list it well I mean well it sucks I know that uh, personally the town that I grew up in, the locals, always has sort of, you know, pick yourself up by the bootstraps kind of attitude. And that's uh, kind of the attitude you can describe America in general, at least in my opinion. And while I think that is a really important mindset to have whenever you're trying to overcome any sort of adversity, it's also possible that you can go a bit too far. And what I mean by that is... Just like if you break your leg, you've got to give your body time to rest and heal itself and go through periods of getting back into the groove of things. So when you break your leg, you're not going to be expected to um, run a marathon. You know, you've got to make sure you give it uh, some time to rest and heal and then maybe you'll try walking on it. Uh, with crutches, or you'll be in a wheelchair for a little bit, you know, before you can actually start walking without any assistance, and definitely give it a lot more time before you're able to run long distances. So for a neurological analogy, let's talk briefly about acute and chronic stress. Um, So acute stress... It can be analogous to like the sniffles so every once in a while you might feel congested whenever you know the seasons change but for the most part you're able to power through get stuff done whatever but what do you do once you've um, checked off all the things on your to-do list you know hopefully you'll be able to take some allergy medication uh, you're still drinking water and fluids throughout the day checking your temperature just to make sure you're not running a fever so just in case you have to call a doctor you Uh, can feel like you're actually calling them because you have a fever, not just because you have something that can be taken care of with over-the-counter medicine, right? Um, So you're taking care of yourself while you're still trying to function at your typical level. Uh, So chronic stress can be analogous to the flu or something even more intense like pneumonia. So the first day of, say, something like pneumonia fully manifesting, it's, it's pretty rough. Um, but instead of taking the day slow, you still force yourself to power through, and you might take like an ibuprofen and convince yourself, hey, I don't need to take a sick day today. Um, so you don't go to the doctor or do anything different. You just keep going about your regular life. But each day, you're noticing that your muscles are getting more sore, that your headaches are becoming more intense and more frequent, or that you're coughing up more phlegm. So you're not giving your body time to recover and whenever you keep pushing yourself, it just uh, delays that recovery time and puts your body under more and more stress to just keep going whenever it doesn't have the energy or the reservoirs to keep going at its normal level. And I understand that there are some situations where there's more to it, such as, you know, tight financial spots, you can't take a sick day simply because you can't afford it. Um, But I'm not really referencing those kind of situations at the moment, it's just more of um, a cognitive type situation where you're just forcing yourself to go through with it, even though you have plenty of reason and wiggle room to take an off day or take some time for yourself to recover. I want to read off a few common mental health myths or assumptions from mentalhealth.gov one that I think is very underrated is this one right here the myth that quote children don't experience mental health problems so I think this is a really crucial one because uh, the brain isn't fully developed until about age 24 age 25 Um, but that doesn't mean that cognitive issues um, just don't happen until age 25. This is a really crucial one because, you know, just because the brain isn't fully developed until about age 24, 25, that doesn't mean that cognitive issues can't happen until then. So it's actually the opposite because the brain learns how to function and grow into the organ that it's, I guess you could say, destined to be during this critical time in a person's life. So if a child shows or starts developing tendencies related to mental health disorders early on, there's a chance that, you know, they're going to carry on that behavior or um, cognitive change in their behavior later on in life and even for the rest of their life. So this is also a reason why John Locke, a psychologist in the early 1600s, really pushed the notion that children aren't these like mini adult figures. They have to learn and have experiences in order to function as better and more effective adults in society. So according to these stats... Quote, half of all mental health disorders show f- their first signs before a person will turn 14 years old, and three fourths of mental health disorders begin before the age of 24. So, going back to the concept that uh, the brain becomes fully developed around 25, these stats start to make a little bit more sense. You know, think about um, whenever you're around, you know, 13, 14 years old. Life. You know for a majority of people it was probably uh, not that great uh, you know so uh, we're going through a lot of identity changes um, most of the time people are switching schools um, or going through any sort of like bodily changes there are a um, a lot of things that uh, adolescents and teenagers think about that they might not have thought about before lots of additional stressors uh, lots of things that they have to Uh, start to manage on top of things such as, you know, going to school, um, maybe finding a job, uh, figuring out how to manage their time, possibly even looking uh, at future colleges or future workplaces. So it's a lot to think about. Uh, So brain development around this time is very, very important. And it's basically the sole reason why we have uh, professions in social work and um, school guidance counselors, school psychologists uh, because this time is so critical to the formation of a lot of these pathways in the brain um, and connections between regions that we will definitely need later on in life. And if we don't have that uh, starting to develop properly in these critical stages, then how can we expect these, uh, f- these regions to function the way that they're meant to after we turn 25? So another myth that I want to hit on today is that mental health issues you know, such as depression or anxiety are solely caused because a person is weak in character or that they're lazy. Um, this is just simply not true. So even if you're not genetically predisposed to a disorder, so like your genes don't really have anything to do with being um, depressed or anxious or anything like that, uh, you, you can still have experiences or be put in situations that can cause their development. Um, This is an example of epigenetics. So epigenetics is when the environment that you're in uh, puts changes in your genetic makeup. So it actually changes your DNA Um, and how it's expressed so these changes can affect multiple different things Uh, most of the time when it comes to stuff like uh, depression anxiety it has to deal a lot with how we process uh, stress and it definitely uh, works on the prefrontal cortex a lot more uh, more towards anxiety it definitely works on the prefrontal cortex more towards anxiety than depression but um, there are different ways to experience a mental health disorder it doesn't have to be something drastic it could be um, as small as one gene and it could range from how much dopamine you produce when you're feeling happy to if your prefrontal cortex is highly active or not in stressful situations and the prefrontal cortex um in some previous articles that we've mentioned before and previous podcast episodes it's uh it it's the main hub for higher order thinking uh, so whenever you are in stressful situations, your prefrontal cortex is sending inhibitory signals to your amygdala saying, hey, no, we don't have to you know, run away from this problem. I know the solution to this. And then figuring out a, uh, an effective solution to the stressful problem. So people with generalized anxiety disorder, most of the time, they're not able to have the prefrontal cortex turn off or inhibit the amygdala's response. Instead, there's a lot of response from the Sympathetic nervous system where there's a lot of elevated blood pressure the heart starts pumping faster You take more frequent and shallower breaths a lot of blood flow goes into the muscles So there's a lot of possible uh, muscle spasming so it's very it manifests itself as very physiological as much as it is Cognitively, so this is a, a very thin line that not a lot of people understand about mental health disorders is oftentimes Giving uh, the mental disorder long enough to manifest or I guess Marinate in a person it can actually manifest itself as a physiological response So I think that these ideas and concepts about mental health. They can be uh, Something that we talk about more um, without much of a stigma I think that we can be more curious about these things rather than uh, coming to conclusions out of fear of the unknown because there's a lot of things about mental health disorders that we don't know but there are a lot of things that we have found out with recent research so you know at some point in history people thought that children had the same mental capacities as an adult but now we know that you know a baby cannot do taxes and you know we have to teach children everything they're not inherently born with all of this knowledge they have to acquire it through education and experience so I have faith that in time the awareness of how important it is to take care of your brain will increase and we can all contribute to that a little bit more so you know you can do that in various ways Um, if you're interested in the field of psychology uh, in any sort of discipline you could go to school and become a school psychologist or clinical psychologist school guidance counselor major in family and child studies and then work in the social work field Or if you have friends that are clinically diagnosed or you yourself are diagnosed um, or know somebody that have been dealing with the symptoms that coincide with mental health issues, but they have not been clinically diagnosed, um, then offer your support or definitely look up uh, different resources for Your friends or yourself to use don't let uh, this issue fall by the wayside because taking care of your brain is just as important as taking care of your body if you've got a broken leg or an upset stomach because your brain is an organ and when organs don't function properly they are sick so you need to make sure that you take care of your brain as well as the rest of your body so there are actually um, quite a few organizations that deal with mental health education and um, uh, helping others going through uh, very similar mental health issues such as depression, anxiety, as well as suicide prevention. Uh, So if you would rather make a monetary donation, here are some organizations that the magazine Time Money suggests. The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. So this is a charity um, that seeks to understand and prevent suicide by supporting research, uh, trying to look at the causes of suicide and uh, helping people who have had frequent suicidal thoughts or someone who has lost um, a family member or loved one to suicide, and also working with federal and state governments on policies to prevent suicides and care for demographics that are at high risk of suicide. Another organization is Brain and Behavior Research Foundation. So, this foundation. Um, is a little more of like the research academic side. They award scientific grants to uh, research labs and companies working to make discoveries and uh, learn more about um, causes and improving treatments for mental disorders. So not just depression and anxiety, you know those are the two that uh, were mentioned a lot in the podcast, and those are probably the two most common in society, but you know, other mental disorders such as uh, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, attention deficit, uh, hyperactivity, PTSD, obsessive compulsive disorders, you know, the list goes on and on. So Brain and Behavior Research Foundation um, really seeks to support uh, giving grants for research. The third one is the Treatment Advocacy Center. So this is also a charity um, that works to improve severe mental illness treatment by promoting policies and practices in psychiatric care and the development of even better and more efficient treatments and research for psychiatric illnesses. Um, This leans more towards uh, illnesses such as schizophrenia and bipolar disorder, as mentioned in uh, Time Money. And the last one that I want to mention is the Trevor Project. So this is a national organization founded by the creators of the short film Trevor. Um, And so this provides more of the crisis intervention for suicide prevention uh, in LGBTQ plus youth. So those are just four of the many different organizations out there. I highly encourage you to do more research about the different organizations. If um, there's one out there that I haven't mentioned that you're still really interested in uh, to either devoting your time and or money to, I think that is a very good resource to invest in, especially since mental health is becoming a topic that That is on the forefront of the conversation, especially in the workplace. You know, we need to make sure that we as a society are promoting healthy minds as well as healthy bodies. So that's all I have for today. Thank you again for tuning into this episode of Brain Rules. If you like what you heard, please share this episode with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the Daily Beacon podcast for episodes every other week. Once again, I'm Anu Kumar, and I hope you learned something new today.